Hi, and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. We're excited you're here with us to talk all things books and reading. We are two friends brought together by our love of reading. I'm Diane and adore my beach life in Charleston, South Carolina with my family and dogs. Reading has been a pleasure my whole life. I read to travel when I cannot leave home, to escape when life gets to be too much, to learn even when I'm not in school anymore, and to make new friends on the pages of stories and by talking to those who share my passion. And I'm Mary, a northerner living in the frozen tundra of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been an avid reader for as long as I can remember and make a point to read every day while still balancing the challenges of work and life. My ideal is to be curled up by the fire with the dog on my lap, a glass of wine on the end table, and a good book in my hands. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thank you so much, and happy reading. Hello, Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. This is episode 14, and we are recording on Sunday, April 26th. Hey, Mary, how are you? Hi, Diane. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. My tech support is telling me it's episode 13. Sorry. It's episode 13. <laughs> <laughs> it's episode 13. But we have the, the confusing part of this recording that we're all learning, Mary and I and mostly Lily, is that um, we have all these author interviews that we've recorded ahead of time. And they are ready to go in the queue. So sometimes the, the numbers get confusing. But other than not knowing what episode we're on, I'm doing well. We have, spring has definitely sprung here. Actually, now it's almost summer. It's in the 80s. Um, but it feels good to be outside. We're going to go on the water in a little bit. How are you guys? I think you guys really have spring now, right, Mary? Yeah, we are, we are just on the cusp of it. So we're finally starting to hit like the upper 50s and 60s. Plants are starting to grow. Um, so I think, you know, and everybody's outside. So, and this is like the day for yard work. <laughs> so if we, hear a, if we hear a lawnmower, I'm so sorry. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful today. It's like no clouds in the sky. So I can't, I can't complain. It's perfect weather. Doesn't it make us so much of a difference? I don't think I have mm-hmm. seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I don't have that diagnosis, but if the sun is shining, it just gives everyone such a different outlook on things. You know, right. it's just easier right. to deal with whatever we're all dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, in Wisconsin, it gets pretty dark and gloomy and cold in, in the winter. So it is, it is something that's pretty common here, whether it's like, you know, diagnosed or not, you know, everybody gets those winter doldrums, but I think, you know, even, even with everything that's going on with the pandemic, I think a lot of people are really, um, enjoying being outside. You know, it's something that I try to do at least every day. Um, so yeah, no, it's good. So what have you read this week, Mary? Have you had, (laughs) have you read any great books this week? Well, I, um, you know, I kind of took a little bit of a break from like traditional sit down reading. So what I've been, what I've been doing has been, uh, going through this book that I got as a present called the food lab. Um, and it's by, oh, I'm not going to be able to J Kenji Lopez, Lopez alt. She's an American, he or she, I don't even know, is an American chef. Um, and I, it's, it talks more about the science of food 
and how you're supposed to cook it. It's really fascinating, but the guy, it's like, it's, it's a monster. It's a really big thing. So I don't intend to like finish it. I'm just kind of like casually flipping through, but it's kind of nice just to get ideas for cooking because you know, you're cooking so much now at home that, you know, you you get bored (laughs) with the same thing over and over again. So that's been kind of where I've been, uh, looking at, uh, Food. It, it is 960 pages. So, but it's called the food lab by J. Kenji Lopez alt. What I about have, you? Um, so I had a, re- a big reading week. Um, yeah. I read six books this week and, um, one that I just got turned on to a new author who we, um, are interviewed at uh, the interview for her will go live. I think on Tuesday, May 5th for us, but her name is Heather Bell Adams. And okay. she has a new book coming out in July and, um, it was phenomenal, but it was her second book. So I went back and read her first, which was called, um, Maranatha road. It was so good. I really, really liked it a lot. Um, kind of a dysfunctional family story with mm-hmm. two different, not timelines, but two different, like kind of arcs to the story. One, the, a mom, and then a young woman who was, who was pregnant and alone and, um, how their paths ended up intertwining. And it was really great. And I also read the new Frederick Bachman that comes out. I'm so jealous. (laughs) It's called anxious people. It's pub date is September 8th. Um, as far as I, like, as far as I know, that's the scheduled pub date. It was good, Mary. Mm-hmm. You're gonna like it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Frederick Backman is one of my favorite uh, favorite authors. I'm very very anxious. I'm an anxious person. For anxious I know it was it was an <laughs> apropos title for right now, right? We are I all know, anxious right. people. <laughs> now, okay, so one thing I have to say about his books. Now, I I've read, I think I've read every single one of them. You know, and if you have not read Bear Town, go and read oh, Bear Town immediately. Yeah. Yes. And then go and read A Man Called Uva and then read My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, it, it, you, it's, there's so, it's so touching. His, his books just really touch you. He makes you laugh. He makes you cry. He makes you think. It's, he's just a brilliant writer. Um, I, I can't. All that holds it. true for anxious people. He, yeah. His friend continues. Yeah. So the one thing I do want to mention is um, this author is Swedish. And he originally wrote his books in Swedish. Uh, his, I, I have to give so much credit to his translator as well. Yes. I mean, because he that that translator, whoever he is, and I, I think it's a man. I, I I looked him up one time, but he uh, he's he's just he he really captures the emotion uh, for for this. So I yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and you know what? And if you don't have time to read Frederick Backman, is it Backman or Buckman? Buckman. It's Buckman. E-A-C-K. Yeah. But, but I think he, he pronounces it, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can Americanize it. You can, yeah. I, you know, he probably doesn't even care. Right. <laughs> Buy his it's books. Funny. You can say his name however you want. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but if you even just go on um, Instagram and follow him, he's so funny. He's so funny on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And his book, A Man Called Uva, is being turned into a movie starring Tom Hanks. 
There are so many great adaptations that Mary was filling me in on. We're going to talk about that in a future episode. So many amazing books that are turned, mm-hmm. being turned into movies and TV shows and series, as many series as in 2020. So that's a, a stay yeah. tuned for that. That's a future episode. Yeah. So okay. I'll just hit the, I'll just hit two more that I've read and I'll leave some of them. Yes. Off. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're fine. Julia Alvarez afterlife. Okay. I've never heard of this book. Okay. It's new and little. It has a gold cover with like a tree on the front for people Ooh, who are visual that is pretty. It's a beautiful cover. It is phenomenal. I, it was kind of a sleeper. I, it started out slow burn. Um, and it didn't honestly pick up too much. So it's, uh, it's character driven, not plot driven. It's not a fast page turner. But it is so phenomenally well written. Every word she puts in there is serves a purpose, and the story is lovely. I really liked it. But it don't. But have your expectations in check. Like you need to invest and concentrate on it. It's not one that will just carry you away to the beach. But so worth the read. And then I made a a nonfiction pivot. I try to read one nonfiction a month at least when I'm in the midst of all okay. my, okay, this is a little bit of a tome. It is, yeah, it's over 500 pages here. Hidden Valley Road. I don't know if you have heard about this. It is the Oprah oh. pick for um, Oprah's book club for 2020. I don't know if she's only doing one a year or if this is her for the month. No, it must be for the month because I, I know of a couple others. Okay. That she said, yeah. So it's called Hidden Valley Road, Inside the Mind of an American Family. Um, so my past life, I'm a therapist. I was a therapist. I haven't worked for years, um, because five kids is a lot of work, but the, the premise of this book, it's a family who had 12 children, 10 boys, and then two girls that that literally spanned the, um, the, the, let's see. The baby boom. So they started having kids in 1945 and they ended in 1965. So for those 20 years of the baby boom, they were having babies every other year. And six of the 10 boys are schizophrenic. Really? So it's a study and never has that happened in one family to have that many. Like we know that there's um, hereditary traits in, in most mental illnesses and schizophrenia is one of those, of course. Mm-hmm. But to have this cohort study of, so they had the same parents, they pretty much had the same teachers, they, you know, their whole life experiences were similar, if not the same. And they've been um, studied by the National Institutes of Mental Health and, and um, Colorado is where they lived. So by the medical systems yeah. in Colorado, but it was, it's fascinating. It's fascinating from a sociological perspective, from a psychological perspective, from a family dynamic not only what happened to those six boys that are schizophrenic, but what happened to the six siblings that are not, that lived with and were raised with brothers who have schizophrenia, which is a major, major mental illness. It, you know, it's yeah. a so it's fascinating. If anybody is interested like it. In, in that, I, it's, and it's so well-written, it's definitely nonfiction, but he does a great job of making it, just telling this family's story. He did a great job. The author is Robert Kolker, K-O-L-K-E-R. Highly recommend. Okay. That sounds fascinating. I, I you know, I, I also try and read 
a, a nonfiction book, you know, I, I, I try to alternate, you know, with fiction and nonfiction. So uh, I know my next, for my uh, book club, we are going to be reading Quiet, The Power of Introverts, or I think that's, I think that's the exact title. Uh, yes, by Susan Cain. Yeah. I love in, that in, Yeah, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Um, so I, I picked this up years ago. I mean, it's an older book. Mm -hmm. um, and I picked it up years ago and and I don't necessarily consider myself an introvert. So, um, I don't know. It didn't really, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading about it and learning more. So what do you think that the breakdown of your book club is? So I definitely am introverted. Do you think your book club is like 50, 50, or will there be more people who identify as introverted in your club? It'll be interesting um, for your session. I think we'll have to talk. I mean, we'll have to talk about it. There are definitely some, I mean, everybody, everyone in my book club is extremely intelligent. Um, and, and I'm trying to think, cause you know, everyone participates in the conversations. We're all very much engaged. Uh, I would say, I feel like we did talk about this recently, but I would say that there are more introverts than extroverts in that group. Um, but again, you know, you have to remember, it's not necessarily how you, it, it's not about your personality necessarily, or like whether you, it's just how you draw your energy. Where you recharge. Mm -hmm. you recharge yeah. Do you recharge with people. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, that would be my, uh, that'd be my, I don't know. They're going to listen. A couple will listen to this podcast. So I'm sure I'm going to find out our next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about it. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good time. Well, uh, we had, um, a couple of weeks back, Mary and I were talking, I don't even know what, what, I guess we were talking about independent bookstores and how it's important to keep, you know, keep sending your money that way. And then it kind of led us to question, well, how are libraries doing right now? Like, mm -hmm. you know, they're, from my latest Google search this morning, and there could be a listener out there that can prove me wrong. So let us know on DM us on Instagram, but I could not find a library system in this country that is presently open. Now there are plans for many to be resuming opening very soon, like the end of this month and the right. beginning of May seems to be um, in modified openings, but I couldn't, do, do you know anybody who's open, Mary? Not, not in this area. I mean, yeah, not in this area. Uh, I know that uh, in Wisconsin, they just did like, they're allowing curbside pickup. But when I was like looking online, it still looked like everything was closed in Madison. Anyway, I, I'm not, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure that. I, I do think that, that um, the slow open, the slow roll is going to hopefully be starting in the next couple of weeks in, in certain places. But I think that we're just a little bit of, uh, uh, in ahead of them opening up. But I did get a chance, and we're going to drop this in at the end of our episode here. I did get a chance to talk to one of the directors of our library system here in South Carolina, and he had some great things to say. Um, and we'll try to put links up for all of the suggestions that he made. But it is really impacting libraries. And one way that I didn't think about how it's going to impact libraries in the future, you know, is kind of everyone's funding has been set. And so funding isn't 
necessarily yet being affected, but what's going to follow this pandemic is a recession, right? An economic recession. Right. It's pretty much inevitable. Yeah. It's pretty much inevitable. Yes. And so that will drastically affect library funding and what Mm -hmm. they can, you know, what they can do with their money going forward. And I read an article in, um, from one of the library associations, the ALA, and they said, to quote, we're probably going to lose staff and lose programming all at a time when people need us the most. We're the helpers during a recession. It's going to be tough for us to do that because we're going to be faced with either flat budgets or declining budgets because our funders won't have the money to fund us the way that they do in good economic times. Right. And, and I mean, I think the thing that's really important to kind of keep in mind is that a library isn't just a place where you go to get books for free, you know, or movies or, I mean, the library is so much more. I mean, you can book your events, like public meeting rooms are at libraries free internet access, you know, especially in rural areas where internet is not well established. Um, Unfortunately, that is still the case in, in many parts of the country. Uh, People go to the library to do their work, to look for jobs. Um, To shelter. Do you know how many homeless, especially in cities, right? They spend their days hanging out and, um, some people don't like that, but that is a place where it is, you know, when it's hot, they have air conditioning. When it's cold, there's heat in the library. And that's a shelter for thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are not, I did read, it's interesting in, um, it was somewhere in California. I'm going to not be able to find it right now, but they have a parking garage for their library. So the library has to remain closed, but they have converted their parking garage into safe space for homeless and they have brought in Joyce Jones or portable potties, whatever you yeah. call, you know, and, um, and they've made a couple of sink because think about it. How can you stop the spread of COVID-19 if you don't have water and you can't, like, we're telling everybody to wash your hands, wash your hands. Well, if you don't even have access to a bathroom, how can you wash your hands? Right. They have taken their parking structure, which I just think again, inventive and brilliant and kind but the library's live parking structure has turned into, in essence, this kind of homeless center where people right. can wash and rest and be safe. And um, there's chairs outside. So, you know, obviously Southern California has good weather. That's, yeah. that's a yeah. plus there. But and, and, and here we don't, you know. So, I mean, you're really going to see, I mean, I haven't really left my little area of Madison, um, the big uh so right before uh, the pandemic, my library ban- branch had actually been closed and it opened maybe two days before everything got shut down. Uh, in fact, I think now that I think about it, everything, it, it's grand opening was on the 12th Oh gosh! and we shut everything down on the 13th. Yep. That, that is how it was. So there's, there wasn't a lot at that location you know, a lot of people weren't using those resources like a shelter, but downtown, it was pretty, um, pretty prevalent, uh, that, you know, that's, that's what they are. They're like day shelters, unofficial day shelters for, for homeless people. And I think after that, you know, we're really going to start seeing, um, a lot of the inequality issues that. Absolutely. I do think that, um, 
you know, for those of us who are fortunate to have homes and I use the library often, mostly for books. I do have a book club that meets there. So we use the meeting rooms, but we have Wi-Fi at our home and we have computers at our home, but, um, it's such an integral part of the community mm-hmm. for, for all socioeconomics. I did read also, Mary, a lot of um, library systems, and our little library even has 3D printers now that most yeah. homes don't yet have. And, and um, like Prince George's County in Maryland, Prince George's County Memorial Library System has donated two of their 3D printers and the staff that, that know how to operate them. And they're making masks. They're helping the community mm-hmm. by making masks and then giving those masks away for free. Yeah, I've seen that too in, in a couple of places. I don't know if I've seen it at a library, but um, the other thing that I think is interesting is libraries also like they they've um, they'll they'll be more of like they'll loan out other things besides books too, like baking supplies, power tools, uh, sanders, you know, sewing machines. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it'll be, it's such a community around your library. You know, somebody told me the first time that whenever you move to a new town, know where your uh, grocery store is, know where your post office is, know where your library is. And that's, that's what you need to get started. Yep. We go to the DMV right away. So, because then we can prove our our address and then we go to our library and get our new library cards. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Uh, I know, I think it's here. I think I read it like here in, in Madison, a lot of our libraries have been converted to more daycare centers for like first responders or essential workers who, and healthcare workers whose children have to, um, who, who need childcare during the day. So they're, they're taking them in. So I'm seeing that a lot too. You know, it's just amazing how many things, how many holes in a community the library really does fill for all different mm-hmm. kinds of people. And I think um, one thing that Dr. Turner and I talked about that, that we'll put at the end of our episode is how, um, you know, one positive to look at the sunny side of the street is the libraries are still getting, because they had placed all their orders, you know, they order ahead of time. So all the new books that people feel like they're missing out on, if you don't want to go crazy and buy a million new books, your libraries are still adding to their circulations. So when they open up and when we can get back out there, there are going to be so many great new books that none of us have read yet <laughs> that will be waiting for us in the yeah. lab. Yeah. And a lot of, um, a lot of libraries now also have digital content more available to their, their patrons. Um, and I was reading also that the Internet Archive, and I haven't checked this out, but the Internet Archive announced that it was creating a national emergency library, yes. and it suspended wait lists for like 1.4 million books. I know. Phenomenal. And I have checked, and it is active. Like, it, I had, I could get a lot of things on there, which was really cool. And, you know, our library here, and I'm sure most people's do, we'll, we'll link the one that um, Dr. Turner talks about, but we have a YouTube channel and he's put a lot of the old author interviews and things um, online. And you don't have to be a member of, of Charleston County or Georgetown County libraries to, to access the YouTube channels. And I'm sure that's true for all library systems that have a YouTube mm-hmm. channel. Like, you know, if you're looking, go look at old author interviews that people are putting online and, you know, maybe yeah. you'll tune into a new author that you can check out their books when, when they come back 
but yeah, there's so many, so much digital content. And I think that this will force libraries, you know, to even think of more ways to get books out to people and, and to do more digital content. We have a um, digital library of pictures and historic artifacts and everything in our little library system that, uh, you know, a lot of people come here in the summer for vacation, well, spring break and summer for vacations, and, and that's not happening right now. But sure. people could be looking up, you know, well, let's learn more about that little island in South Carolina. Let's learn more about Charleston. And there's, you know, you can um, feel like you're getting a little bit of your, of your place for your beach vacation, even if you can't come and join us down here. Right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if anything to leave people before we get into the interview, um, you know, there are ways that you can volunteer or contribute to your local libraries. Even, even right now, um, you know, there, there are things that you can do to help support your community libraries. And I, I, I strongly recommend, you know, if you have the means, I mean, I know that everyone is having a, a challenge right now, but um, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you love books as much as we do, and we utilize our library often. So please go and uh, support your local library, even if you can just donate five, 10 bucks, um, or after all this, if you can donate your time, uh, please, please do. Right. I do know, um, I think every library system has suspended fines, and some yeah. have done that as a matter of course, and they're just not charging fines anymore. But that is a way that libraries generate some revenue. It's not a big line item in their budgets, but it is a way. And they've suspended that for months. So they are losing money by being closed, you know, and, and by giving us all the, the, the privilege mm. of not having to pay our fees. So any, and anything does help. You know, I think sometimes we think, well, to really make a donation, you know, it has to be $100. No, $10 helps. Like if, you know, if, 10 people donate $10, it adds up. So I agree. And, and when they open back up, go back in there. The librarians have missed us as much as we've missed them. So it will, it will, we'll all be happy when we can go back in. But, um, and, and even Dr. Turner said, you know, there's going to be modified ways. There's going to be crowd control. And, and so also be patient with the library systems and, and know that they do want their patrons back, but, but they're only going to do it when it's, when it's prudent and safe and it'll be on a modified way, but we'll all, we'll all adjust. We will. Well, thank you, Mary. It was great chatting with you. We are going to yeah. drop in Dr. Turner now um, and have, get some firsthand information on the libraries. Thank you to Dr. Daniel Turner today for joining us from the Waccamaw Public Library on Polly's Island, South Carolina. We are a member of the Georgetown County Library System. Dan, tell me, um, what's your actual title at the library and what do you do there for our listeners? Well, uh, first, thanks so much for having me, Diane. I, you know, this is a great idea uh, for a podcast. And I know you're a, you're a wonderful uh, book lover and a great you're one of our favorite uh, patrons <laughs> at the Waterfall Library. So um, thank you for, for having me on. Uh, I'm Dan Turner, and I am the, uh, my official title is Public Services Librarian. Uh, and I do that for the Georgetown County Library System, um, which is one of the most vibrant library systems uh, in the state, uh, thanks in large part to Dwight McIndall 
who is our uh, he's our director, and he really advocates for for the library system uh, in Georgetown County. Um, so uh, what I do is uh, I'm director of adult programs uh, for the county. So I I put on all the the events uh, that uh, involve anyone who who's uh, not a child basically okay. uh, or a teen. So uh, anything on up, all the the readings, the lectures, uh, the author events, uh, film series. Um, craft series, uh, any of that good stuff, uh, which unfortunately has kind of gone suspended uh, lately given the current circumstances. Right. So what ha- my, my partner in this podcast's name is Mary, and she and I were talking last week. Um, she also has a, hers is brand new. Her library, her new branch just opened in her area on Thursday, the 12th of March, which was like kind of the day before the world shut down. And um. And I, ours is new, not quite that new, but we yeah. miss our libraries terribly and, and we respect and totally understand the closing and why that was necessary and support that decision wholeheartedly. But is there anything we can do? Is there anything patrons can do while we're at home to help? To, we want these vibrant libraries to return as, and be as vibrant as ever. What could we do? Well, you know, we miss, we miss y'all too. Uh, and that is, there is such a strong connection with, with libraries and, and with our patrons and, and they've really become a, a community center now. It's, it's a place where you go to get books still, but it's, it's a lot of other things. And, and, um, and so we miss that, that contact with people too, and, and with our patrons and, and, uh, folks who love libraries, we love librarians, love you too. (laughs) Um, uh, and that's, that is, uh, that's tough timing, uh, for Mary and her, her library. Um, but, uh, so, you know, we really, the, the main thing you can, uh, you can, uh, still, um, use the, uh, ebook service to get books. Um, so that's, we're, we're still, uh, using that that's open. Uh, you can get portable devices, uh, get those on your portal excuse me, portable devices like tablets and cell phones. So that's, you know, that's still available. Um, we did, uh, you know, waive any, any late, uh, fees and, and fines for that, obviously during this, uh, this very tough situation. And Dan, um, do you know, is that pretty, um, widespread or most libraries waiving? I, I do have library books in my house right now, but I also know that they don't want us to put them back into the library system. So they're sitting here. Have most libraries waived the fees? Yes. Uh, I I think that's pretty common throughout, uh, throughout the the public library systems, because we, we understand that that's, you know, we know we have them in the database. We know that that's, uh, that's what's going on out there. So, um, we're, we're very understanding. Um, yeah. And this is a very unusual circumstance right now. Sure, we're all just kind of learning as we go, right? We we don't know what the next steps are. How is this? So I know the library orders their books far ahead. So um, are the new releases? When we all do get back out and move move freely about the world, will the April and May and March new books still be in our libraries? Yes, and we do have uh, our staff has been. Uh, still working part of our staff have been still working and they can uh, come in on certain days we try to stagger it for social distancing purposes and you know we're trying to 
uh, keep staff safe as possible. But they're, you know, those those kind of operations with the uh, the uh, collection that those are still going on, where we have you know some some books coming in and uh, processing is still going on of the books. So uh, we should have we should have a lot of books still in place uh, for you coming in on the shelves. Uh, ready when we can finally uh, open up the doors. So collections, it, you know, a lot of that work is still going on, and 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 so that that'll be nice, uh, a nice, uh, uh, refreshing thing when we can get back to business and and welcome people back. Yeah, right. Especially that I always go right to the new release section, you know, and and often I've read many of them, but this will be like, you know, for so many library library patrons, we'll walk in and we'll see. Three months of books we haven't yet read. <laughs> That's an upside, right? People will have a lot to choose from when the doors open up. Yeah, actually, uh, last week was the 100th anniversary of F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda. Uh, Their Fitzgerald. wedding anniversary. <laughs> yeah, and so we had a whole, we had eight programs, uh, speakers, uh, jazz uh, of the 20s was going to get it played, a great Gatsby gala, all this stuff, and all of it shut down. But, uh. you know, it's how it goes, but we, I think we're going to bring it back next year and have a the celebrate the 101st. Fabulous. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's so we'll we'll just have more to look forward to. Uh, I guess next year, great, or, or whenever we can open back up. You know, it's, yeah. So the the library is doing a lot of things for us while they're while we're not in their buildings. We can still use e checkouts, and new books are coming into the collection. Is there anything that patrons can do for the library, Dan? Like is funding is funding still the same, or well, what can we do? I mean, that is it's that is you know if uh, donations are always gratefully uh, accepted, and that is something I know um, that it is. There, you know, so many people are, are hurting right now, um, and uh, so many people were concerned about uh, with you know with with jobs and employment. So anything that uh, that people can give to help uh, with the funding of the library donations would be uh, much appreciated. Um, now, ha has the Georgetown County Library had to lay anyone off yet, or is everyone still? I know I, I some. It's different everywhere, but in our little I, corner of the world. As of now, we've, you know, we, not that I, not that I know of. It's that's been, right. you know, we've been okay. And uh, so I think that's been, that's been protected and we've been able to still work. You know, um, there's a lot of people who vacation here in the summers in Charleston County and Georgetown County. We're, we all kind of um, run the length of the Atlantic Ocean here. And so many people aren't able to come from, that have usually vacation here. That would be a great way for them to get a little bit of their low country feel right from their own homes. 100%. And we also have a, another uh, link that might be great is the uh, our digital library. We have uh, Julie Warren, who is our, uh, not too many library systems have a, a digital librarian of their own, but she does a wonderful job. Uh, so there's a link too to the gcdigital.org, which is, it, it's all these images from, you know, of uh, photographs, uh, family histories from Georgetown County through the ages. And Julie's put all those together and she, she uh, manages that. So there's, I mean, if you want to know where you're coming to for the summer yeah, or yeah. where you're living, that's, that's it's, it really is fascinating stuff up there. 
Great, great. Well, I know a lot of people, um, all of our authors that we have been interviewing are always big supporters of libraries and indie bookstores. And we know that, um, you know, when we all come out of this, there will be some kind of different economic situations for many, many families. So the libraries will be so important. We want, you know, everybody, whatever the future holds, in two months, in six months, our libraries are still going to be there. Our libraries are still going to be sources of free books and education and programming. So if you can support your local libraries, you know, monetarily do that. If you can't, you know, they'll just be happy to see you when we all can move about again. Yes, Dan? Yes, abs thank you for saying that. And yes, it is, it's a great, their libraries are great places to come to, and we really do appreciate your support um, on all levels. And if you can't afford to support financially, that is that is wonderful, and bless you for that. But they are, you know, they're important. They're important places uh, for people to to have that kind of uh, that kind of uh, sheltering place and a place for education uh, that's free and open to all. Yeah, I want to thank the Georgetown County Library. I know. Um, my children and your children are all schooling from home right now and we are fortunate our families both have internet access in our homes but the libraries here have opened up their parking lots for families to you know just bring their kids you can't come into the building but um to share their wi-fi there's there's no password required anymore i think it's all just open access which is you know Absolutely. our communities need libraries we need them even when they're shut they do serve us for the community and we are most grateful for that Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Turner. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Diane. And we hope to see you again uh, in, in person very soon. You know I'll be there. <laughs> Keep reading. This has been another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Bookish Besties is a production of Tidal Wave Books, LLC, and is hosted by Diane Barnett and Mary Meist. Produced by Lily Barnett. Find us on Instagram at Bookish Besties Podcast. Thank you for joining us in talking about all things bookish. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.